not coming today, so we can proceed. So thanks for that today's workshop. We can begin with our Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This meeting is not called to order. In line with the bar of C. Bryce Longstanding Policy of Open Government and Compliance with the Open Public Meetings Act, I wish to advise that adequate notice of this regular scheduled meeting was sent to the Asbury Park Press and other local newspapers on January 10, 2023. In each instance, the date, time, and location of this meeting were provided in the notice. This meeting is open to the public. Roll call. Council Members Bieber? Here. Booker? Here. Catalano? Here. Gorman? Here. All right, first up, we'll have our standard remarks from the audience. If there's anybody in person or online who'd like to be heard, please state your name and your address, and the floor is yours. Would anybody like to be heard today? Anybody online like to be heard? All right, seeing and hearing no bodies, we will move on to our first item for discussion. Our board administrator, Joe Baruni, is online. Thanks for dialing in, Joe. Would you like to start off with the capital projects update? I would. I, I would. Um, a couple of items. Um, uh, the backflow preventers uh, with the state of New Jersey uh, has not gone far. Um, Greg and I reached out to our Senator O'Scanlon and he is attempting to set up a meet, another meeting with us um, for that purpose, uh, to discuss the alternate design and why they don't want to go with the design that the residents could live with out there. So as soon as I know when we're having the meeting, I will let you know, and uh, we'll, try, we'll, we'll try to hash this out with the DOT. We, we know we're getting complaints about the flooding up there during heavy rain events, so this is one way that, it, that is, and it, even in the south section, um, near Eventide, uh, that area floods back through the, the sewer system. So this project's really going to go far in helping the, the borough, and I'm not quite sure why um, the state is uh, dug in on this one, especially on the one uh, property that all we're proposing is an extension of the pipe because the pipe fills with sand and uh, an additional manual. Um, I can't see that it is right there. Does he want to add anything? No, I think they covered it, Joe. That was always our problem. We just think we don't understand why they won't put the pipe back into the water where it was. So that's what we've asked them to do, and they've not come back to us since we've asked them. So we'll continue to press, and I will keep you, uh, Mayor and Council, informed of when our appointment is, and maybe uh, if. if, if any of you want to come with us, more than welcome. Um, the second item is kind of intertwined. As you know, uh, we're in the process, Public Works, Police, and, and Beach are in the process of removing a lot of their facilities, their equipment out of our rental units uh, that we've been renting from the Stavola uh, Corporation, but now um, the Denholz is proceeding with demolition on these buildings. Uh, they're just starting now with asbestos removal and uh, analysis of the buildings. But that's caused us a bit of a problem for storage. Um, uh, 
Uh, Dave Barley and, and Brett Friedman have been working on this, and uh, I'm going to ask them to, to update us on what our alternatives are. But most importantly, I think uh, Greg Blash has the proposal, the cost estimates for both construction and engineering uh, for a new building um, that we've been talking about for quite some time now. So let's, let's uh, uh, be my recommendation that we go to Brett and, and Dave and find out uh, where we stand on securing places for this equipment to go because we can't just leave it outside. Uh, uh, Chief, can you tell us where you are on this? Yes, I can. So we got basically tossed out of our South Street garage. We're getting tossed out of our River Street garage. The South Street garage had seven side-by-sides in there, all lifeguard equipment that is in pretty good shape. We also had two light towers in there. They're all sitting on the side right now, somewhere in the firehouse. We need to get them out of the elements as soon as possible. We went to look at a couple storage facilities, local. We can bring them, trailer them down. They can leave them in there until May until we can use them again. It does cost some money. We're spending about $2,000 a month for rentals on the buildings down here. It would be cheaper at this point to bring them to the other places. Dave was looking at it a couple other spots. They bring in some trailers. I'll let Dave talk about the trailers. But right now they're sitting outside. I'd like to get them down and approval to get a payment to one of these storage facilities to get these things out of the elements. We've got $100 equipment that's going to sit out there just rot away this winter. Um, we definitely cannot have that. So we're looking. I've also spoken to the administrator in Oceanport. I can bring the OEM truck down there, hopefully, but it's not going to be inside it's going to be kept outside but i guess it's not going to be in the salt there so i, I don't have a place for that yet just out of seaway which is a problem but it's better than sitting here and riding out that's probably our nicest piece of equipment that we have so that's just the, the beach stuff alone and there are is some police equipment like to bring into some storage facilities too but i can't do without the approval from you guys to say yes pay for this this is what's going to cost. I've got to get the stuff down there. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I met you earlier this week and all the PW. And it's Brian, no, no yeah, Brian came down and took a look. Sam took a look. So they know what we're up against. They know the amount of equipment down there. So as long as you guys can let me go ahead and do this, get these things out of the elements, I can worry about whatever Greg has going and get that rolling too. And Dave wants to give a report on the trailers that he can have brought down to the spot. Chief, just a quick question. You kind of said it, but I didn't quite grasp it. The cost of storing offsite is equal or less? It's a little bit less for the offsite right now. I think we have a price of about it's twenty two fifty what we're paying here. Okay. And right now we have about eight hundred dollars, so it's almost half the price. Okay, so it, and, and the second question is it's easily movable? We can have the road department put on the back of the trailer the trailer and every down to the offsite facility. Okay, is it since you're, you have reviewed it and we haven't, except Brian may be saying, is there any downside in your review to us approving this? There's no downsides because most of the stuff there is really the beach equipment. And they have seven good pieces of, it's all, you know, it's a lot of equipment. There's, the only downside is it's not here. Right. But they're not going to use it really anyway until the spring, until May anyway. So just to get the stuff off site, we like to keep our side by sides in the firehouse with Shannon. 
just because we do go on the beach for different things and get people and rescues and look lots of people. So we have to keep ours on site. Our light towers, we have to have our light towers. We have to keep them on site so we'll find a spot for them. But all the other stuff, get it off site, get it inside. So it's cheaper, it's easily movable, and there's no significant downside. Just, no, not right now, there's not. And I'm gonna look for a few more places, but the place, one place we did see in Ocean Township was pretty good. A couple places just don't have that they're full. Yeah, um, and it's just pretty much a necessity for any machine. You can't even put it over there or any other, any other location in town, so I don't see this between Rich Joe and needed Mike. Okay. And they will give you their. And Dave, yeah. Dave is securing a trailer. Uh, he might, if he's in the audience, he can speak to it, but it's $90 a month, I believe, for a 40 foot um, uh, box trailer, that, you know, a uh, container trailer that we could put a lot of our supplies in and keep them out of the weather. That's for the 20-footer, Joe. Is Dave there or not? Yeah, Dave's going to have to move up closer to the mic. Yeah, I can't hear Brett. I couldn't hear Brett. Uh, that's for the 20-footer, Joe. It's 89 a month, three months minimum, and the pickup and drop-off fee is 129 each time. You have to come to work, drop it off, and then pick it up. Where would that sit, Dave? Huh? Where would it sit? Oh, no. Joe, what do you think? <clears throat> Told me to be asked a lot, is that right? Yeah, trying to get over um, uh, where we have the, the cabacas over there, try to make it look as nice as possible, uh, parallel to uh, uh, Chapel Beach Club. Thank you. It's the highest point as well, so uh, it's the highest point in town right there, so it'll be high and dry in case of uh, any kind of emergency or flooding. So that'll, that'll carry some of the stuff that doesn't need any uh, climate control um, and uh, a lot of our equipment. Um, I'm not quite sure, Dave, where did you relocate your dumpsters from, from uh, South Street? No, not yet. They're probably going to have to go into River Street at some point, though. Agreed. Okay. Uh, so that's really where we, that's where we stand in, uh, you know, Getting our products out of uh, out of those properties and back on our property or our rental properties. Um, but right now, I'd like Greg to maybe come up to the table. Uh, he sent a proposal yesterday for the size, location, and estimated cost of the um, public works building we've been talking about. So, Greg, can you sit at the table, please, and review your proposal? Yes. Thanks, David. Yeah, I got one last thing. All right, one, one more, Joe, one more day before break goes. We have a 40-footer we can get because the police asked for a large one. So. Okay. Just a little more money, I think. The rental on that looks like a 123 month, 129 month, minimum four months, and it's 149 before you pick up and drop off. So they may need several, correct? Right? But anyway, it's set up. All, right, they, all they want is a PO number from Christie and a tax exempt form. And I can't order it until I get that half an hour. So. All right, sounds good. That's Joe, did you hear that? I got it. Okay. All right, thanks, David. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Um, went over the uh, budget. We had originally started, we were talking about the budget in the middle of the year, beginning of the year. We had put aside $500,000 to do the building. That was our kind of our guessing at the time. And going through the numbers and updating things, labor costs have gotten a little more expensive, just the way nature is. But one of the things also, I came up with an extra amount of money 
Because what I want to do there with the foundation is I want to get the metal building out of any flood event. So to get that above the 100-year flood elevation, we're going to build the foundation up with block okay. and then put the building on top of the block so that when it floods, the block doesn't hurt the block. We can epoxy coat that and it won't hurt anything. Just a matter of opening the door up and the flood water will go back out. That's, great. That's when we have you know, the, the, the major flood coming in with a hurricane or something. So that added, my estimate, about $60,000 to the budget for the foundation because building that block wall up and then where this building fit, sits, we have to actually have to build columns, vertical columns, instead of just, you know, you normally you'd have a footing with a column. That column now has to be extended up. It's a little more expensive. Not a great deal, but so my budgetary number went from, it was 510, my estimate was, I put 10% contingency in a 51,000, and then when you add engineering in there, I put engineering at 75, comes up to 636. But I, get, I have a little rendering of what the building would look like. This just doesn't have the uh, um, doesn't have the, um, the raised foundation on it, but it would pretty much look the same. What's the square footage? Uh, about 5,000. It's 90 by 45, so it's about 4,200 square feet. It's going to have five bays. It'll also, if you kind of stare at it long enough, it also will have the uh, elevated. Um, secondary loft in the back part of the building. So we'll have, you know, storage of lighter equipment, materials and whatnot up there for public works. The park underneath it with the smaller stuff. And then the, at the end of the one bay, we have the whole bay tall for any large vehicle in the future that may need to be parked in that facility. Any remediation concerns on the property? <coughs> that's, <coughs> no, not really. The only thing is that's why my number is, the engineering is a little not too really <coughs> stiff. It's, it's kind of going to have to hold at that number because I do have to do some soils work out there because I don't know what that was ever filled. You know, that, that's only the only caveat. If that property was filled three or four feet at some time in the past, we're going to have to go below that with the, with the footing that we go in with. But I imagine this is probably going to be on piles anyway, is my guess, unless we come up with some really solid soils under that and we can go with a spread footing situation. What's the exact location of it? It's the River Street pump station site. It's Which is because we look at, I mean, personally, we look at this in the past, and it's like the only real viable place. And it's borough owned, as we discussed, it's really like a utility site. Right. So there, I know there are a few neighbors who aren't too keen on it, but overall, it's the best location. It yeah. really is almost unusable land otherwise. Right. And unfortunately, the way this has to lay out just for access to the building, the back of this building is actually going to be pretty much bordered on the easterly property line just because of the way the driveways fit in and how we have the geometry to get in and get to the pump station. So that it's just, that's, that, so that's going to impact the neighbors a little worse than if we put it on the other side, but I really wouldn't want to put it right on the river. Yeah. Give us as a little bit of buffer as we can get out of that. Any significant variances? We're, we're the borough, we don't have variances. I know, that. <laughs> you can get objections from people if you... If you yeah, no, actually with the setbacks, now we're going to confine, we're going to conform to the setbacks. It's just that we're going to, and we're going to have a building that conforms to the height of the in, in the zone. Okay. The problem is we just have the size of the building is going to be larger than you have in the area because it's residential over there. We're just going to have the back of this building 90 feet long by 22 foot high. That's going to be a wall. Yeah. Makes sense. <coughs> one of the biggest concerns is regular flooding down. So well, that's, that. Yeah, that's why we're going to elevate the slab. We're not going to elevate it a whole lot. I believe the elevation here is around six. So we will probably elevate it up to around nine, the great elevation, and then this, this, the wall elevation will be around elevation 12 or 13. So you're saying there's, been, there's gonna be a ramp up to get the- Not significantly, but it's about you, three feet. You're doing it purposely to get it higher yes. than the potential flood. Yes. Yeah, and just that's really to get rid of the nuisance flooding on the property. 
you know, if we get that elevation, that slab yeah. up to elevation nine, that's actually the hundred year. It's about the hundred year flood elevation there, and that that'll keep the well, nuisance. That's what on all of our mines, like PW having to have the nuisance of having to run all their equipment out every time there's a flash flood alert. You know, it's a well not fun. No, that that is going to be kind of the caveat we're going to have to deal with for a while until we our secondary project that we have possibly there. But the problem you're going to have <coughs> is this is going to be a little island that won't flood. Everything around it's going to flood. So do you move the equipment out of there if you want to yeah. use it? You're probably going to have to move it because you're not going to be able to get Fair it enough. in and out of there because everything around you is going to be flooded. What's the proposed material above the block? That metal building. Um, a sheet metal building. Sheet metal anti-corrosion. Yeah, it'll be yeah it has the it'll be coated with anti-corrosion materials. This is aerial heck. Where do you see this laying out? The building's going to be right here. And then we're going to use the gate. We're going to shift the gate over a little bit, come straight in here. We're talking about leaving the dumpsters that Dave needs over here right. and trying to squeeze a couple back in that corner. But this is going to be the main driveway in. This is to, it gives access right to the sewer pit, uh, the, the sewer pump station and the front pit in the beginning, which is where all the gravity comes in. We do have to relocate <coughs> the, the force main, which comes out. I don't want to leave the force main underneath this new building no. just because it's in 20 years and somebody says what knucklehead put that under there we're going to move it out so that's going to it's in my proposal an extra cost to relocate the suit the force main to the west a little bit to get it away from the building and then there was other questions about utilities that's that's all clear yeah we, we i met with jcp and l several times and you know we were concerned they have an easement across this property they do not have any record of anything in that easement they do have record of the easement so they've pretty much given us the green light to go and we have talked to them about servicing this building with the new service, and they said that's not a problem. On the west is the substation? To the north of us. Our, their substation is to the east, the west of us, yes. West. Yeah. Right here. Okay. Yeah. So that's right at the edge of the uh, Denholz project? Correct. Yeah, they said everything they have comes to the, the, uh, is to the underground to that spot, and then it comes into their facility, so. You've been there? Have you seen it? Yeah, uh, I've been over there. Okay. Yeah. I know that location pretty well when it floods, I go over. Yeah, it, when you look at it from a visual point of view with the neighbors, I mean, other than seeing our stark wall there, I mean, they're looking at that substation in our uh, public workshop. It's, it's just, just it has come up in the past, but right. I completely agree with you. It's better than our the, alternative, like, you know, oceanfront, other, yeah, right, like, not workable places. No, just from, you know, and having to raise those locations where this is actually a little higher than, than most of those sites. That's great. Maybe you're pretty happy with the wasteland so far. Yeah, the only challenge, like you said, was with that force just in case, you know, we ever have that access to so This area here won't be affected at all. Now that, in that area there, it's the accessibility is going to be the problem there. And I was going over with Dave, it's just, we're going to try to put some dumpsters that hold stuff back in that area that <coughs> have to be changed over less often. Because to get to that, because of the number of dumpster he's going to need in there, we're going to have to move one to get to that. So that's why we're going to have to try to put some that may only have to be emptied every three months with some kind of materials recycling or whatever versus the other ones out along the JCP&L site. Hey, Greg and Dave, both of you have a question. <coughs> I'm not familiar with all the DPW sites we have in all the storage, but I understand because of the Denholz project and everything else going on, we've got to move stuff. If we do this, when we're done with this, are we crammed in at capacity or do we actually have any surplus at this point? I believe when we went over all the trucks and all the things, we have one bay open. From what we have now. So it can take everything that we, we're losing in other places, mm -hmm. put it in here, and we do have a little bit of surplus. 
I believe we have more than a little bit because the loft area is not considered, you know, that's just overflow because we I really got to get into the nuts and bolts of what you store up there because obviously yes. you yeah, can't put it. But that's good, right? Yeah. If we go through all of this after the consolidation, we actually have a little bit of surplus of space. <clears throat> that's where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's just vehicle space. I would tell you that, you know, we have one large vehicle space or enough for two smaller vehicles in the, in the one extra bay we have. This Any other questions? Okay. This, doesn't, <coughs> this doesn't include the uh, army trucks we have stored outside. No, no. no. But the, 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 uh, the blue one, the big blue, is that included in here? It includes whatever's inside now. That would be your, your main question on that. Yeah, but I don't want that truck outside, but that's something down the road just to get that out for now. We can figure the, the, the logistics of where we're going to put that, I mean, if it will fit in there. Okay. Is, is that in one of our facilities now? Because I, yeah, I think we, we accounted for that in this. Because yeah. we can double stack in here with the depth, the vehicle. So the lower ones would go under the loft and another larger one can be behind it. And like I say, the one end of the building will have a, a full depth. So I just don't want to limit us in the future to not be able to park a large vehicle in there. They seem to be keep getting bigger instead yeah. of smaller. So. so Greg, just to recap, what is the path forward on this right now? What do you need from us? Uh, just authorization to go. I mean, I want to get the engineering done and get every. It's probably take me about two months to get this ready to bid, and then we bid it. It take you know three weeks to get it bid. Come back to you with the numbers if we get successful bidders if they're in our estimated budget. It'd probably take us about five to six months to get it constructed. So we're talking pretty much next fall. Sure, we would be ready to go. Is there any interaction with the work that's going to be happening with the demos project that we would want to be before, during, or after? Uh, not really. The only thing that we have to kind of think about, because they had that pumps, that sanitary sewer, the, the stormwater stu uh, pump station that's going down the end of that street is part of that project yeah. that we're involved with. So that that could be the only thing, just the construction of that. But I, I tend to think most of everything, they're not going to be in our way. We won't be in theirs. So we can operate on our own timeline. Yep. I think really, to be honest with you, logistically, the bigger problem we may have, depending on the timing of this, if we start this in the summer, would probably be our best time because everything that we're going to have in trailers on this site, because now that's where we're putting all of our off-site storage from where we're at now, that's going to be in the way. Because everything out there is going to have to be moved off this site temporarily by we, because we need a crane in, you know, we need a crane in there to build this thing. So once, and it won't take long, like they say, six months. So if we got in the summer, we can move this stuff somewhere, have to find a site for five or six months to get it out of there, and then most of that stuff can come back, and some of it will be going in the building. Well, does anybody on the council have any questions or objections at this point? Uh, Sam, did you hear all that? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely on board. I, I like the idea of everything I, I, uh, I heard on the, on the building. I just want to uh, circle back for a second and make sure that we're all in agreement to go ahead and put that side-by-sides um, -side in storage because um, I don't want that to sit in the elements. That's my, my biggest one. Yeah, I think we're good to go on that. I don't think we have any objections to that. So, uh, all right, sounds good. Anybody else on council have any questions for Greg while he's here in the lukewarm seat? And uh, <laughs> this, this kind of puts to bed the, the multi-year discussion about a pole barn, right? Yes. This is a pole barn. Yeah, this is exactly what it is, the, option, the yeah. infamous pole barn thing that's been, I was speaking to Joe about it yesterday, I'm like, you got to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing, that really, the history of a pole barn is, you know, they don't, they last about 20 to 25 years max, and they always leak. This is actually going to be a secure building, metal roof. It's not, you know, it's it's built to withstand the, the elements there. And as you said, by elevating the foundation, yeah, we'll other keep than that. Ca catastrophe, right? 
Yes. Well, even even to be honest with you, you'd have to have a pretty severe catastrophe because I mean, the the metal building is going to be up at about elevation 14. So and the flood elevation we have at this point is a 10. Yeah. So that and that's the 100-year flood elevation. So it'd have to be four feet higher than that. And if the water so is four foot, the bathtub design works. It should survive like right. an Irene or a Right. The bathtub will keep this this in great shape. The only thing is, you know, we get to the point where if it's above the 100-year flood elevation, those stations shut down. Our bulkhead doesn't work. The bathtub theory is topped, and this would still have to be four foot higher than the flood elevation to get yeah, to the metal and, part. And by that point, we'll have other fish to fry. Yeah, yeah we're going to have much. <laughs> yeah, the, we're talking even the fire station is going to be underwater, which is super elevated at extra four so feet. Supposed to be sleeping in rooms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or up on the top of the bridge there. Yeah. <coughs> so yeah, I think this will be designed to stay dry just about in any kind of storm we have. Good. And the, the dollar amount again was six hundred. Six thirty-six. That sounds good. I think we should be all set. So Ryan, I don't know about Rumson and Tom Rogers. How the city of Gallon at that one meeting last time? Yeah, I've got to stop. Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 now, I know it's a it's sad, but fun. That was, a, that was a fun meeting. Yeah, very yeah, polite, but. Yeah, I was in it. Yep. Yeah, but you and Dean. Yeah. <laughs> we did not the outcome we expected. Yeah. Thanks again, Greg. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Something that was under that was still under capital projects. Joe, is that a wrap for you? Do you have anything else you want to discuss? No, no, no capital right now. And no, we'll come back to street flooding on number five. Can I? I just had a couple. Of, I just want to run you through some capital things, sure. just to kind of bring you up to speed. Um, we did the repair to the trash rack at River Street. That's been completed. That was done last week. The 23 road program. We're awaiting the approval of DOT. We'll put that out the bid probably in January. I get a nice, nice, better price from contractor <coughs> bidding in the off season. Um, the 2024 program, we just received our uh, funding from the state. We got 209,000, which is a little, just a little under our estimated budget. I think we were at 250, so we'll be able to fit within that that region. Um, <coughs> talked about DPW building the bulkhead, and we have um, the last thing we had was. Um, at your direction, we went, I went over with Dave to look at the sewer smells over at Angelica's. And when we looked at that, they had put a new lateral in. It seems to be working, and per their opinion, they don't know where it's at. I asked them for a set of plans. But the odor seems to be coming from their internal grease trap. So it's, you know, it doesn't happen to anybody else. He's saying it happens different times of the day. I looked in the grease trap. The odor that came out of it when he opened it, he said it was just cleaned two weeks ago, it was offensive. So I'm, I'm telling him that he, the guy that cleaned his grease trap out did not do a good job. He didn't fully clean. He just took the, the liquids off the top of it. He has to get the sludge out of it. Okay. So I think that's where most of his odor is coming from internally. Yeah, that definitely is from inside. Yeah. Well, we are working with her, waiting for them to give us a plan. And I'm not going to get a whole lot more involved, but I just kind of want a record of where their, their lateral is just to kind of tell them everything's internal once we can prove that lateral works. Okay. Okay. And that's all I had. Oh yeah, the, the one thing that came out of when we did the trash rack, one of the suction nozzles in the, for the pump out of the wet well has cracked and fallen off. And that cracked at the wall, which is normally where they crack. That has to be repaired. We're waiting for the contractor to give us a price to fix that, but we'll be back here. It's not something that's an emergency, but it's something we want to do because it, it kind of eliminates a situation where you can have a floatable thing go directly and hit the pump impeller with that downturn nozzle. So we do want to put that in at one point, but it's not an emergency. So we'll get back to you probably next month with a, with a cost estimate that he's going to talk cost him to fix it, and we'll take it from there.
Sounds good. Any last questions for Greg? No. Thank you. All right, Greg, thanks. thanks. All right, we're going to move on to uh, public safety updates. So, uh, what's going to be general about the start? Yes. Um, 44 calls month of October brings us up to 597 for the year. Um, in comparison, we did 560 for the entire year last year, so we're well ahead. Just a month and a half of time to go. Uh, Charlie and I did the ISO inspection uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we sat down with this guy for about six hours. It was long. Um, I'm confident that we're gonna we're gonna raise our rating. Um, if we miss it, it's gonna be by a point or two. Um, for reference, the ISO is what the major insurance companies use to base your well, to factor in part of your premium uh, based off your fire coverage. Uh, currently, we are sitting at a class three uh, scales one to ten. One, one being the best, which is unattainable for us because we don't have clear fire farming. Being the worst, which is like your rural, middle of America type places. Um, when I first came in, we were a five, got us down to a three. My goal is a two. Um, there's about 1,200 fire departments nationally that have a, a class two. So that's, that's where, what I'm shooting for. That's kind of going to be like my last thing before I step off. Um, we probably won't see that for probably another month or so. They got to take all the data that we threw at them and, and do all their calculations. And, um, we had our elections last night, so you're stuck with me for another year. Um, could be the last one, if, if I'm almost there. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, I don't have much going on right now, it's all season. Great work as well, Chief. The 1,200 is volunteers in the U.S.? Oh. That's including? Mm -hmm. So there's about 200 just under class ones. Those are your bigger cities. Yeah. Um, class two is about 1,200. Class three there's about 3,600. And then from there it goes substantially higher. But when you said there were only 1,200 class twos, that's both uh, paid and yes. volunteer. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And if we do have a gap in your mind, it doesn't get to two, what is it? What's that? If we don't get to two, what gap, is, what gap do we have in your mind? It's gonna come down to staffing. Staff? Yeah. So um, the number I gave them, the number I was able to support documentation was that we have four guys here. Um, they like to see, so it, 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 it's a whole algorithm, right? Um, they, they compare what you have immediately responding, what you have coming from home, how much of, of manpower that makes up, how much time that makes up. Um, the, the number's around 15, 15 within the first 10. Um, which we do, but because there's, there are home responders that supplement the guys that are here, they deduct points for that. Okay. Um, sure. Other issues that we have is our water supply town. So, so they, they look at your water supply with, with American Water. They, they look at the communications from the sheriff's office, um, our training, our staffing, our equipment, all that stuff's considered. So there's certain things. Again, South Beach water supply isn't good. Um, it used to be North Beach. North Beach was always our problem child. 2010, when they were doing on the, the Highlands Bridge, American Water brought a main under the river. So now the North Beach section is a loop water main section. South Beach now, because it hasn't been updated and since I can only imagine when, uh, mainly around, around your area, 
How they do it is they take target locations within town, um, mainly bigger buildings. South usually use Edgewater. Um, and you're not meeting the fire flow off of the water system. Again, it's not our problem. But our hands are tied with that with American water. So. Okay, so not to. So, and that was so, real quick, that was based off of our last inspection, which was 2016. Um, I can tell you they haven't made any improvements down South Beach Water. So, probably not going to gain more points for that. Okay, so not to belabor this, but one thing I understood what you said is getting to two with regard to staffing. It's the ability for us to flood and respond with people quickly because we're volunteer. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. Just a quick question. When fountains burn, did you guys pull water out of the river? Eventually, but that, that's, that's a long, tedious process okay. to, to get that going, to establish a draft and all the other stuff. Okay. Um, they're looking at the first 10 minutes. Thanks, Chief. Yeah, good luck, Gary. Obviously, you're at three rates. Which is well great, done. yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it, but again, was it five when you used to be a five? Was that, was that it was actually zero? six. It was a six and a five. And was that average down to three? Was that would you consider that average anyway? The average for Mount County is probably around five. Okay, so three is way above average. Yeah, okay. two is great if you get yeah, it. If that's not, good. That's, and then I'm done. You're so rich. <laughs> thanks, you. All right, thanks. thanks. All right, great. Good morning, everybody. I'll make this quick. I know you guys have a lot on the agenda. Just doing the storage facility stuff was huge. I want to talk about that's already done with. We'll talk about the e ordinance, uh, e bike with uh, later on. I'm going to talk about that. That's already on the agenda. Uh, so far for the year, we've issued 2,688 summonses, which is a lot of tickets. We had a total of for last month. A total of 495 calls for services, which covered pretty much everything from DWIs to fights to disorders, you name it, we had it. Um, most of our summer help that you see is all gone. They went back to college, other jobs, the academy, so we lost everybody. We're back down to our, basically our bare minimums again with our full-time regular staffing, which we definitely expected. Um, other than that, we really don't have too much going on in the public safety of just getting all our stuff relocated, helping Donnie out with the equipment, and then a couple of public safety meetings, and you know, doing John wrapping things up. It was um, a pretty normal October. Um, I have really not, not a lot to report. So the normal call for services, the arrest, the tickets, and we're where we should be right now. Okay, questions? What, the ticket numbers again? What was that? Two thousand six hundred eighty-eight. Don't expect that for next year. I don't know if I can do that number again. I'm not sure. Don't expect that number again. That was a big number right there. It's national course. Holy moly, I don't know if I can do that one. I never expect that. tickets. We're working on some ideas for next year. We're working on right now. It takes some time, but we'll get back to you when we have our meeting after the first year, what we expect and with our budget and stuff that we want for next year. We're going to talk about that. So, No questions? Everyone's good? It was great. Thank right. you. Jack, thank you. Kudos to your department again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, the, the next item up, I know Joe. Brian, the first day while you're too. Oh, sorry. Danny, you're, on a, you're in the hot seat. Sorry. Okay. We've got over 330 calls so far this year. 
we're answering most of our calls. It's rare that we have to get another town to come in to cover calls for us. We're even doing mutual aid to other towns. We've got Lucas. Um, we five sevens out of the county now getting the auto load put in there for the new stretcher, the auto stretcher. And that's about it. Any questions or anything? They, they, they trained on the Lucas? Yes. So that's, you're ready to go? Then. It's ready to go, yes. And then a, lo a lot of our members now do it paid, so they, have, they use Lucas's at their other jobs. And we have a good medical director who comes down and helps us. Yes. Yeah, Offline, I have a few questions for you. But okay. Anyone else have questions for today? No. All right, thanks. Thank you. Hey, Brian, I have one question. Sure, do. Uh, I'm going to take the anchorage. The restroom is offline on Monday. Does anybody have any questions? I try to keep it open as long as I can. But if fish and buffers can start the. So it's freezing like and colder, everything. Yeah. Colder pattern. Yeah. I don't want nothing to happen. Are you guys all right with that? Yeah, it's reasonable. Good timing. Okay. All right. Thanks, I try to keep it open as long as I can. All right, so I think, Jack, I know uh, the last meeting you brought up, I know Irwin and the team had a plan in place for auctioning off some vehicles, and then you had some questions you spoke with our police chief. Like, where are we at in this process? Yeah, just to get reiterate, my concern is the one vehicle that is a, uh, in very good condition is a new engine, and it's uh, an unmarked ex-police vehicle. So it being unmarked and having uh, all-wheel drive, it can be used for any uh, of the departments. Uh, in Guam Beach, there's a EMS work, a lifeguard work. We can, uh, public works can use it after fire. So I think that's a good vehicle to keep on standby status. I talked to the chief, and um, we have still two remaining passenger car police vehicles. And uh, I believe the, for us, for Seabright, given the flooding conditions, uh, having to go on the beach for emergency work, et cetera, and the uh, heavy traffic volume, I think we should go completely to SUV uh, type vehicles. They have um, the heavy duty bumpers on front so they can push cars off the road, they can do things like that. So I think we want to downsize the fleet, we should work on the two passenger cars that we have. And uh, they have a, a considerable amount of mileage on that. I didn't get the exact numbers. But uh, I would focus on those two vehicles as opposed to the, uh, the uh, SUV. Right. So, uh, I know, Chief, uh, yeah, the mileage on those two passenger cars is up well over 100, I don't know how the exact website was, but well over 160,000 miles probably on those vehicles. And you don't really have a significant use for them right now? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you're still using them. They're still operational. Correct. Right? I think Correct. that would be the focus for yes. the downsizing the fleet. Absolutely. So there, there may be an effective way to get this to closure, right, based on prior conversations. So the committee looked at this and said, based on the fact that we got two brand new vehicles, it was only appropriate, fiscally responsible, to take two older vehicles offline. The two that were recommended by the police included the one that Jack just talked about as, as getting rid of. I think a two-for-two two swap is very reasonable. When I asked you, Chief, would, would you rather eliminate a different vehicle than the 4x4, four four, your answer was no. Hold on a second. 
I took the recommendations from the committee, which I respect your committee decision. I didn't have a problem either way. Took my recommendation from Joe. The car goes. You want me to keep, I'd like to keep the car if I want the car to go. It wasn't the, the top of my priority. That blue car I would like to keep. If I have to get rid of it, I can get rid of it. It's nice to have that extra vehicle. I respect the committee's findings, the, the gas, the vehicles. I don't have a problem with that either. You know that. I was at the meeting. Whatever your findings were, I will abide by whatever Joe told me to do. I'll take my order. It's fine. If I want to keep the vehicle, I'd like to keep the vehicle. If you guys tell me it's got to go, it's got to go. It's going to be up to you at the end of the day if it's coming or going. So I'd like to keep it. If the committee says get rid of it, get rid of it. Okay, I'm saying something different. Um, <clears throat> what Jack is recommending, which I think is reasonable, is a four-wheel drive vehicle that has utility in bad conditions yes. may be of more value than a sedan. Correct. If we, if we get rid of two vehicles and one of them is a sedan instead of a 4x4, four four, I think the committee is perfectly fine with that, as long as two vehicles go because two new ones came in. Okay. And it's not, we don't have a shortage of vehicles because if you look in the back, and I do every time I'm here, it ranges between six and seven vehicles sitting stationary. So we clearly have sufficient vehicles. I think it's good fiscal discipline to say whatever department is, if a new vehicle comes in, an old one goes out. If Jack's contention as safety committee is, I think there's a better vehicle to, to get rid of than that 4x4, and you're okay with that, I think the committee's fine with that, because we essentially get two vehicles, not the ones originally planned, but two vehicles off the books. So maintenance, insurance, fuel, all of that is fine. So if the recommendation from you, Jack, is we swap out the one that was originally on the list, and it's replaced with a sedan, and two of those vehicles are going out, I don't want to speak for the rest of the committee members, but I think that's absolutely reasonable. My understanding is you would rather get rid of the 4x4 than one of those sedans. At the time, I wasn't going to get rid of any of the sedans. But after we bring the sedans up, the sedans are still patrolling the blue car's more utility vehicle that other top was ready for the target to fall off that thing any minute now. So at that point, we'll get rid of the other black and white. We'll take a look at the sedans, which one we want to get rid of, and we'll start auctioning the stuff off at this point. I didn't bring the sedans up to the meeting. That was never an option that we spoke about. Yeah, I, I fully understand your saying. So, so having participated in, in the committee um, process and some of these, I'm trying to understand what, if anything, would change in, in, in and from what the conversation was in the committee, and, and, and then um, Jack has had his, his, his thoughts, and what your your position is, yeah, the thing, but but, but it, you know, two in, two out, like that's the, that's the basis, right? So if, if, if the question is which two, um, you know, need to go. Is, is there a reason? Does anybody have a reason as to why uh, it it shouldn't be what's being recommended? By Jack, are there any objections to that? I mean, you said you're good. Does that have any effect on on, on, on fire? Or is it just police vehicles? Fire was never an option. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, I'm trying to figure out how, how we how we what what may have changed, if anything. And it sounds like the recommendation that Jack is making is, is something that you know I, I don't have a problem with if you guys have a problem with, it, right? You guys use vehicles, etc. If you're good, I don't have, I don't have an issue. So, right. I, I thought I thought in this process we asked the professional view. 
you got two new vehicles, which two would you like to see go? You put those two up, and now that's being challenged. I'd rather leave it to you to recommend, of your fleet, of whatever it is, 11 cars, I don't know what the number is, which two would you like to see go to best service the town? I think you already said that. Yeah, but they're not in agreement. Okay. He didn't put up a sedan as a as a preferred. I didn't know it was an option at the time. We didn't talk about the sedan. Mm -hmm. so we talked about that. We said we're going to get rid of that Tahoe and the two of the other Tahoe. We had the blue one, the black and white one. That was talked about at the meeting. Okay, it was recommended to me by the police committee and by Joe Bruni get rid of these two cars. I said, okay, it's not going to kill me either way. That's where I left it at. Jack started talking about the blue vehicle. He wants to keep it. New motor. I said, I'll keep it, I'll let it go. The sedans weren't an option at the time. At first, I thought it was just the two tacos. I didn't even have the sedans even on the, on the back thing. We'll drive this in so we're not going to get everything. So, so let me ask the question again. The whole fleet you have responsibility for. 100%. You have two new vehicles. Which two would you like to see go? Of I'd the like whole fleet. I'd like to see one of the black and whites go. Tahoe. Yes. And I was told to get rid of the blue truck. I didn't, I, I didn't ask you what you were told. I asked you, as our expert, which two would you like to see go? Just one of them. I don't really have an opinion on the, I, I'd like to keep as many as I can, but I was told two vehicles in, two vehicles out. Yeah, Chief, I understand that, right? When we get two brand new vehicles, the last thing we need is now a seventh car sitting in the back. Right? We, we, if we only had one back there, or two, or three, or four, maybe I'd understand, but we average between six and seven. I count them every time I come here. So it's not like we don't have vehicles. And I think from a fiscal responsibility perspective to say we've got two brand new ones, two should go, the first thing I would do is ask you as the professional and the only you know, athlete. I would put both those tacos up because that's what I was told to do by the committee. And by Joe Brony, if you have to get rid of them, we'll get rid of them. I'm not going to, like I said before, I'm not going to beat this dead horse to death. Well, to, I mean, I, I hope the council's perspective is two in, two out. And now what we want to do is come to agreement of just which is the two out. And not what you're told, what you recommend based on servicing the town's needs. No, I, I was told which two you want to get rid of. Those are the ones I said. Jack wants to keep it, brand new motor. I said, I'll keep it. It, it didn't matter. That, I mean, this thing has gotten so... It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard, but you have to make it this hard either though either though. No, the only question, I'm not, I'm not trying to micromanage anything. I'm, I'm, my question is, with two brand new vehicles, with you as our chief and our expert on the subject, you recommend to us which two should go. Okay, and I said, on top of it, to get rid of the blue Tahoe, get rid of the other one. Get the black away. Okay, so my, my that view. That was my recommendation. That was my order from the Bureau Committee and from Joe Brunner. It came up, the blue car's got a brand new motor, we want to keep it. I'll keep it, I'll let it go. I'm, I, I'm not, this isn't my biggest fight I have. No, I, I get that, Brett. I, I, I understand that completely. But there, there's, a, there's a difference of opinion here, right? And to me, the best thing the council can do when there's a difference of opinion is listen to our professional. And that is you. And that's why I'm asking you what you think. But at the end of the day, how much is this extra car costing the town to be physically responsible? It's, it's principle. It's a, it, it, if nothing else is principle, when you buy a new car at home, you don't leave the old one in the driveway. It's not economic part of the cost me anything I do. Well, it certainly does, because keeping a car, maintaining it, it depreciating costs Irwin, money. We'll get rid of the car. It's fine. I mean, this was a recommendation from the committee. They told me to get rid of it. I'm getting rid of it. This is, I mean, I, this was never even a forefront to me until 
my other council person about this. Well, like I said, this should not be that hard. We should listen to the professional, we should make a decision and move on. But that decision and that recommendation has been challenged. I get that. Everybody has the right to challenge a recommendation. And when we get to a point of indifference, to me it comes down to the council votes on it. As I say, I think we should keep the SUV because it has a broader fallback availability. So if we pick one of the two sedans and trade that in. You guys vote on this wherever you want to go. It's fine by me. Vote so, on so either way on that is fine with you? It's fine. And my recommendation is get rid of the one Tahoe, keep the blue one, and get rid of one of the sedans. So it's two for two. That's acceptable there. I don't know procedurally, Mayor, how to do this, whether or not we vote on it here or what do you think, but I'll refer to Rachel. Yeah, well, I mean, you can give direction here, but if you're, if you're voting on what vehicles you're going to put out for auction, you have to do it at resolution, you have to do it at recommendation. But you've got to, all right, a list of what, your, what equipment is excess or whatever, however you want to term it, whatever you want to auction. You put it in a resolution, you do it at regular. Okay, so maybe is it is it reasonable, Rich, so we don't waste time to hear the perspective of the council members? Uh, I mean, that, that, that's <laughs> if you folks, whatever you folks want to do to discuss and decide to get to this, how do was actually? I mean, well, one point for Jackson, you're the one that brought this up after we thought there was a resolution on it. So my take is that there's a slight preference to follow your recommendation in the department. I don't put you in a hot spot. If that's the case, I would suggest putting that on the agenda and then have the other one as a backup. Council didn't vote on that, but we do we do have to move forward on this. This is yeah. not a big issue, but it no. has become one very dramatic. So that's uh, if anyone else in council disagrees, give your recommendation. I think No, I, I think I think that, that um, you know that, that's the way we should go about it. Uh, let's go ahead and put it forward and allow folks to, you know we, we can we can say yay or nay, but I, it sounds like two in two out is settled. It's which two. And it sounds like the professionals are our uh, our you know our team is saying that they'll they don't really have that strong an opinion of it that's the case and they move forward <laughs> so it's pretty simple so what would go on the resolution would be uh instead of the four by four one four by four and one sedan and then we would vote on that as those two is that what you're recommending jack yes i am he's, he's, he's leaving it to us <laughs> so yeah i would say do that and then oh, we could, I, i'll talk to the chief offline <coughs> we'll, we'll I just just to move this thing along. Yeah, this no, is okay. time discussions, right? right? So you'll let me know. The packet has to go out today, just so everybody knows. Yeah. So um, it we'll just maybe hold that resolution or send it out in draft form until we get this settled. Okay. Just just keep in mind that the value of that SUV, if you were getting rid of it right now without a new motor, is about thirteen thousand on the market. So our start, if we were going to bid it out, we should up it a little bit. Maybe you get to keep it that way because it's only bids. But if it's worth eighteen thousand and we're starting at five, somebody will grab that thing. Yeah, but it'll bid out. And I'd rather us have it. <laughs> yeah. Versus the sedan. Yeah, if it's in better shape and all, it's better than the sedan. So what did we decide? Did we decide that we're putting on the resolution what the chief is recommending or what Jack is recommending, just so I'm clear. Well, I think there's a little disagreement. I think the Chiefs made 
I'm not going to torture or chief again on this thing, but you know, I think I understand what's going on. I think Jack, you've spoken to the department and so forth, so have you. So there's some confusion. I think I've got it fully. I personally recommend going with this. If I hear something differently, I recommend it to, uh, to everybody otherwise, but just to move this dog along, like I would say put it on as Jack suggests, and then it, we can change that very easily, even mid vote. We'll just amend it. We, we can. And move this dog along. So let's get it on the agenda. Yeah. Okay, good. One other question, are you moving off that subject? Uh, well, yeah, auction for vehicles. Now, we had a fire vehicle because we got two new fire trucks, two new fire pickups that were going to go out for auction. And I've lost the trail line. I don't, how did that not be part of this? Because we got two new pickups, right? Yeah, the vehicle I was was blue truck. So why isn't that one going if we got two new ones? It was always a police car, it was never a fire truck. That's not my question. And then the fire car got rid of the green pickup truck, which was on the west. No, when we started this conversation, and Mr. Varun, you can tell me if I got this wrong. When we started this conversation, we said we got two brand new police cars, two are going to go out. We got two, we got two brand new fire pickups. One is going to go out, and I understand that because the fire department does not have to pull the vehicles like the police department has in the back. So where is the one fire truck that was going to go out? The green pickup truck. I'm sorry, I have a, a landscaper out the door here. Um, one, I can't hear Brett or, or Chad when they're sitting back there, so I'm really um, not up on the entire conversation, but as it relates to the fire department, there were two vehicles uh, that they had. One was the blue vehicle that went to the police, and the other one was, what did you do with the other one, Chad? So, the, just to clarify, the fire department never had two chief's cars. This is the first time ever. No, I didn't say that. that, that no, I'm just, I'm, hold on. So we added a vehicle to the fleet by bringing two fire chief's cars. We never had it. I always drove a police car and used it for dual purpose, right? The fire chief's car, the, the second one replaced the, the black Tahoe. One in, one out, I got rid of the green pickup truck, which is on that resolution that we keep table. Oh, no, that one's scrapped. It's going scrapped. Okay. But there's another... SUV that's out there. I think the that's block. the one they're talking about. Right. Is that one going? No. Okay, so I'm there was, there was no intention on that. I'm Joe, maybe you can help me here. I'm, I'm confused because, and I, it's very easy to say yes. I get that. It's very easy to say keep another vehicle, right? But it costs the taxpayer money when we do that. So when we started this review, we said two police cars are going out and one fire truck is going out. Not a fire truck, but a fire vehicle. So. My simple question is, is a fire vehicle going out? Yes, I just told you, the green pickup truck. That went out as part of this process? Yes. Is that is that's correct. correct? So that's done? It's already done. It's already was, done. That, was that one, it's already was, that done. Insured, was that an insured vehicle? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so that, that, that happened already. Yeah, that was, that was, on, that was on your consent Chris, agenda. Chris, you handle our resolutions and stuff like that. Is that your understanding? I know there was a green truck that wasn't on site. It was at a gas station. It was at the Wright Service Center because the motor was falling out of it. The motor um, mounts broke. And they just um, agreed to scrap it. Okay. It's not on this resolution. It might have been on a previous one. I okay. believe it was on the last meeting's consent agenda. So that was one that was actually on our vehicle. It was, you're right. GIF insurance and all that kind of stuff. 
Okay, that, that one slipped right by me. Okay, thanks, Chief. Sir. All right, vehicles for auction is wrapped up. Uh, the best, best practice of inventory, everyone in their packet had, uh, uh, Mike Bassett, our CFO, prepared. We're ranked pretty highly right now. I think it's over 90% as is. There are a couple items in there that we could always do to improve. Um, Joe, I know you wanted to speak to this one briefly. You're, you're muted, Joe. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, uh, best practice inventory, I know you and I spoke with that one. Uh, Mike Bassett put together a pretty easy letter on that, and we really have over 90% ranking on that, which is great, but there are a few recommendations in there we could always do, whether EV chargers, so forth, that you always increase that, but you wanted to make a few comments towards that? Uh, it, 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 yes, uh, it, you know, the, we read through it, we have a very good score, we're not losing any, but there were certain things that we did not score on, such as a, 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 a priority scoring system for repaving roads. A lot of towns have that, we don't have that many roads. They go, the, the public works and, and Greg or whoever our engineer was goes and looks at them and gives us recommendations. Uh, they don't look at the crown in the road, the gutter line, the other things that get points in some of these other towns. Uh, we don't have an electric uh, vehicle charging station on municipal property. Um, and we don't have a policy on purchasing hybrid or alternative fuel vehicles. Uh, for the municipality. Uh, that's where we didn't get the points. Um, but we are scoring well and we're not losing any uh, PCD as a result of it. Just so you know, Joe, I, this is something that I do every year in all of my towns. I don't charge you for it. We actually rate all your roads. So we have a system that we look at every year after we pay. So I think we can talk to Mike and we can get that, oh, those points for that. That's Thanks. how I pick the roads. I pick the lowest valued, lowest value roads and that's why we pick what we pick. And then your input. Sometimes you guys want to switch two equally valued roads for one for the other. But yeah, we yeah, do no, evaluate them. You don't take your offer. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. It, it helps me out too because it, when somebody comes up and says, why are you paving this road? Because we evaluate them all and this is the lowest rated right. road we have. Greg, on Waterview, we paved half the road. Was that the plan, or no? We didn't do that. Utility company did it. Oh, that was for yeah. a repair. Yes. After yeah. work. Now that's a lot of confusion because yeah. they think it's the town, but it isn't. It's the okay. gas company Good. did that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We go back and do the other half eventually, but okay. it kind of dovetails in once all the utilities are completed and the homes are built, then we go and do the other half. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. And the the, the uh, state and they put a high priority or a high valuation on engineering report like you do. I mean, they just take that pretty much as fact. Yep. They don't come out themselves and say. They can, but I mean, the, the, the detail we go through, they, they really can't match okay. because it'll take them forever. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right, the next uh, topic is uh, street flooding. I mean, this is obviously a very broad topic of the town, but I think from the last meeting, I believe Sam Stallone, Sam, I think you put this one on specifically to address one item um, on street flooding. Am I correct? Did you want to speak to that today? Or uh, I believe that was, uh, you wanted to speak to this one. I, I didn't put that on. Um, I think I did. Oh, right, sorry, John. Yeah, so we have three places in the North Beach that the water, when it rains, ponds. I originally thought it was the river coming in, but 
Uh, one of them is on the east side, um, and that some reason that sewer is not any longer connected to the west side, so the water doesn't make it to the river. Um, and it ponds there. A uh, couple storms, you had to go to the Coronado Road to, to, you were still in the water. Um, anyway, I, I talked to Joe about it, and uh, in the meeting for the check valves, we're going to discuss that with Senator Scanlon as well and see if we can't get that addressed. And then the, the other ones are the check valves that need attention, right? Um, also, what I looked at is just for future thought. Everywhere where we have a pump station, when it rains, that water eventually gets pumped out. But as you go further away from center of town, where we don't have a pump station, when it rains, those roads flood when the check valve is closed, if it rains a lot. One is Island View Way. Um, if we could look at a smaller pump, right, not this big monstrosity, maybe a couple thousand gallon an hour for only that kind of emergency, just to dump it back in the river over the wall. Because the bulkheads hold, even though there's a slight leak there, it holds. It's, it, it never really incurs uh, up the block. It, when it rains, all the water's coming from Ocean Avenue all the way. And it's really only about curb height, so it's not a real bad problem. But yeah, a small pump would help eliminate that. Yeah, when you look at, you know, that's when we had that discussion before about the pump stations that we currently have in the downtown area. They're way oversized because you're not pumping. They, they were designed to pump the 100-year flood. We're never going to beat the river once it comes over the top of the bulkhead. Right. So what you're speaking of would, in fact, be a very small pump because it only has to take, you know, an 8-inch rain over a big area right. is not a great volume of water. So yeah, but that is a problem with the check valves, which we discussed in the past. Is once the tide comes up, closes those valves, the rainwater on the it's land side of the bulkhead cannot get out. Yep. So we would probably have to start looking at putting these little mini yeah, pump the, stations. The, in the feedback we got from the last several storms of the downtown after we corrected the valves and added the valves was really we had no impact. So that we want to make that a little bit larger, at least to understand it, right? What would it cost to put the smaller pump? Okay, yeah, I'll evaluate that and come back to you with a price for those. John, in South Beach, a check valve's working in South, in South Beach or no? We need one apparently at even, even time, right? Yeah, the, we, oddly enough, Dave and I were looking at those on Monday, and the problem you have is the, the check valves are from the past, they, they call them the duck bills. Right. They don't work. I mean, then you can see if you go to them, the, the sun has actually, has warped those where the end of the duckbill has turned. So it's made 180 degrees. I thought it was made that way. No, they, they aren't clear they flop that way, but the problem is not that it's, it's aged like that. For that to open is almost impossible until the pressure is so high behind it. So that's where we have to kind of evaluate that. The new check valves we have now are great because they're internal to the pipe, they're out of the weather, and they work on, on head pressure and they open from the bottom up where the duckbills open from the middle down. So the sediment is the first thing to pass on the new check valves we're using, which is great. The duck bills, in my opinion, hold sediment there. That's why I never recommended them in the past. The reason I'm asking is I'm, it's not, I'm not clear on, I agree with what John said, but if you stand at fountains, for example, during high tide, the water comes up through the sewer. So having a pump there wouldn't do anything because the water is coming from the river. Yeah, but not without a check valve. valve on it. Yeah, that check valve so that's sewer. why I'm asking the question. I hear you talking about pump stations in South Beach, but do we, we don't have functioning check valves in South Beach. But the first thing, yeah, it's a combination. You have to put functioning check valves in 
and, and the pump station to get rid of the rain water. Right. And those those check valves belong to the state, not to us. Those ones do, yes. Yeah. But I think where Mr. Lamy is talking about, they would belong to us because they're on our drainage system going out to like local streets that go into the river. Okay. So those are the ones we would have to put in. We've put a couple in in the past with the road corridors. We got a couple in the north end, and they work fantastic. The problem is, is you know, the public education is a kind of a slow learning curve. They were, didn't realize that when that check valve was closed and it's raining, tides up, the rainwater can't get out. So they thought the check valve wasn't working, but as soon as the tide went down, the water cleared instantly. So that's that's where we're talking about maybe putting some smaller pump stations to get rid of the rid of the rainwater flood. That's the the, the negative of a bathtub effect. Yeah. 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 Just one comment on that. Uh, <clears throat> Several years back, a resident up in North Beach had water pooling in front of his house, and he put in his own little pump, and it worked very effectively, but the DOT came through and said, take that out. <laughs> he, he must have put it in one of their inlets. Yeah, he put it in one yeah. of their inlets. He shouldn't put it in an inlet because it blocks the efficiency of the inlet. Yeah. So, but that, that can be easily reserved. You just put it in a manhole next to it, it would right. work fine. It worked fine, yeah. but the DOT said no, yeah. get out. Yeah. They don't want to have to maintain that thing when it blocks it up. Okay. So the end result is when we have the meeting with DOT and the Senator, it's going to be about these matters in addition to the check valves that are Sounds good. pending. <clears throat> Sounds good. Uh, thanks, guys. Hi, right, Sam. Uh, the next one up is uh, 2024 beach fees. It's my understanding that the recommendation is status quo. Did you want to speak to that uh, to confirm? I would carry it from the last meeting just to make sure that that was in fact the recommendation. Yeah, um, Don, Don, um, uh, the, the only slide would, would be the, um, the badges that um, the preseason sale. We currently have 50, maybe we bump them up to 75, but other than that, we keep everything the same. Anybody have an objection to that recommendation? So if you buy in advance in the past, it was $50. If you buy in, the, in advance in the future, it'll be 75 That's it. Sounds good. All right, Sam. Sounds fair. Thank Don for us. Let's see. All right, on to uh, number seven, draft ordinances. We've got four listed here. I know. Uh, we want to speak to the fire pits one. I'm not sure if the other three need to be covered in any detail. Did you say e, the e-bike one will be discussed today also? Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Mr. Mayor, I just wanted to get a couple of comments for B and C when we get to it. Sure. Okay, great. All right, well, we'll, we'll, all right, sounds good. Then we'll address all four. So we'll start with fire pits. Uh, I know there were some original drafters put together, some revisions were made to it, and here we are. Okay, so a couple things on this one. Um, if you recall, the original intention of this, or the way it came to light, was through our, our lead fire um, marshal, whatever you call it, ordinance, uh, Tom Hagee, everybody knows him. Tom felt that because of the proximity of buildings in town and the risk of fire, that we, like other towns, should put a fire pit ordinance in place. I personally don't have a strong opinion about it one way or the other. We asked Tom to put it together. He did. He drafted it, ran it by legal, legal commented on it, then circulated for review. And to the best of my knowledge, there were two primary concerns around it. Number one was the proposed violations, first, second, and third offense, uh, ranging anywhere from dollars to community time to jail. 
And the second area of concern had to do with proximity of a fire pit to a structure elsewhere. Now we're talking about open burn fire pits. We're not talking about propane. We're not talking about natural gas. And a lot of the fireplaces that people have in the backyard are both of those. We're talking about something that burns other combustibles like wood or cardboard or anything else. So based on the feedback that came at the last workshop, um, I took another look at the fire pit ordinance with regard to violations. And I personally am fine with us taking any of the serious violations out, which would include community service and jail time. There is an escalating cost if it's a first, second, third offense. If it's your first offense, it's a verbal warning only. If it's a second offense, it's a range of $50 to $500. And if it's a third offense, it's $50 to $1,250. If we settle at that and there's no other community time, jail time, my view is that probably address the concerns that the council members have with regard to the severity of this. One of the reasons we're wanting to do this, and this was reviewed with both the fire department and with the police department, is not so much that we have a significant problem across town, but to make sure that we've got an ordinance in place that if there is an issue, the fire department or police department can review a document to understand policies and procedures on how to handle it. They were both fine with that. So the thought is to get this on the book so in the event that there is somebody violating the ordinance, they have authority and they have rights to how to handle it. The second item that was of concern, and this is one that Tom was particularly concerned about, was proximity of the fire pit to additional structures, whether it's the property owner himself or herself or the next door neighbor. And the state code on this is 15 feet uh, separation requirement. Now obviously that creates some challenges in town because some of our properties are very small and their backyards, if you put it right in the very middle, has to be at least 30 feet wide to be away from anything potentially. So we circled back with that. I talked with Tom about it. Tom felt strongly that that in fact is the reason to put something like this in place because when you burn it closer to a structure, you run the risk of catching that fire onto the structure. The concern is, particularly in the downtown area, where buildings are very close to each other, and on a windy day, if that catches to a structure, it runs the risk of setting several buildings on fire in the downtown area. So the recommendation from Tom, and circling back asking for council consideration, is we eliminate the fines related to community time or jail time, and we maintain the 15-foot separation requirement. That's the document that has kind of been circled around. Uh, if you look at the version that Chris sent to the council members and mayor earlier this week, it highlighted those two areas and the two recommendations are we change the violations and we maintain the 15 feet. That's my summary, Mayor. So if I'm at 14, no burnables, it has to be gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, yeah. If, you, if you're using natural gas or you're using propane, it does not even apply. Any questions, anybody? Sam, you got any questions? Are you good to go? No, I'm okay with it. Um, I like the changes that were made. Um, I thought the, the last ones were a little, little crazy. But um, I, I just don't see like a big need in this, especially if they're able to give them a nuisance ordinance or um, some other things. And, and the real issue is the smoke. Um, but uh, if, if everyone's on board with it, I'm not against it. So Sam raises a very important point, and that is we had a lot of discussion about how you handle smoke. Because the real issue that we have is smoke nuisance that happens to other people. And Tom looked into this, it's been looked at, we discussed it with Rich, it is a very hard thing to measure. 
It is very subjective. It's not like you can bring a decibel meter up for noise ordinance. It's hard to actually measure this. And the feeling was if we tried to put something in there, we would actually put the police and fire department in a position of subjectivity, and then it could be open to discussion and argument. So I think Sam raises a good point, but I think we felt to actually put that in there would be hard to understand and enforce. All right. With, um, just one, one other thing to add um, with the enforcement. Is it clear, um, as in if there is a violation on who, who's to write a summons and, and that holds up and, and everything's good in that regard? Well, our assumption is it's the police department that would write the summons. And Brett, I don't know if there's any comment that you have against that. It says in the ordinance, shall be enforced by the fire department or the police, but the fire department doesn't issue ordinance. It would be on the police then. It would be police, but Sam. Should we amend the ordinance briefly to get rid of the fire workers? You want to say, Jed, you want to talk, Jack? No, I just want to ask if you had any to add to this as, as the enforcement end of it. No, we'll enforce it. We don't have a problem enforcing it at all. We want to make sure that um, that the fines are a little extreme. We like the, the the verbal for the first offense. A lot of it's going to be the smoke. And um, we've never really had an issue in the past. And the 15 feet all the way around could be somewhat challenging. I'm not going to go out and measure, nor are my people going to go out and measure. But as long as the public safety committee is good with this, I don't have a problem with this at all. Thanks, Chief. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So number two, tree removal ordinance. Back again. <laughs> you, you found the tree in town. Yes. If you can find the tree. Uh, actually, I kind of like to speak with B and C at the same time because they came from the same source. The DEP is part of the, the stormwater, it's called an MS4 permit. It's the stormwater ordinances that they regulate on everybody in the state. They have made these two elements part of that requirement. And it was mandated that these two ordinances be passed by the end of this year for the salt piles and the tree removal. Uh, they've since rescinded the tree thing because they're having a lot of problems with people kind of getting on board with it. Uh, the salt thing is not overly important, but uh, just to kind of tell you where they're coming from and really why I wanted to speak about it is the, they've given general ordinances for us to follow. There are no fines associated with it and they want us to pick who enforces it. And even in the tree ordinances, you can kind of pick what it has to be replaced. So what I wanted to do is kind of get the flavor of what you're looking for. Uh, what I recommend, like let's start with the salt piles. Uh, there's very little regulation, it's just there's conditions in there, you can't put it next to an inlet. You have to put it on a hard surface and you have to cover it. That's about the extent of that. Uh, the only thing I, that's in there is what the penalties are. I would recommend, and that's why I want to tell you, they recommend the first violation be a warning. Second one be a $50 fine. Okay. I don't think we really have a salt pile thing in there, but just you have to have some kind of... No, that's great. Let's just do that. Yeah. That's, okay. fair. So that, I will that's be for the municipalities. That's for the residents. Right. That's the municipality will go out. Now, this is for salt piles on private property. Oh, private. So, like, yeah. if you have people put a salt pile in, like, one of the parking lots, that has to be covered and maintained to make sure it's okay. not draining into the storm sewer system. Yeah, sounds so good. It's just, you know, I don't want to have a lot of teeth. I don't think we have a problem with it, but we have to do it by, by their mandate. Uh, so, I will redraft that ordinance and put the minimum fines in there so that the next time we meet, I'm not overly worried that we're not going to have it done by January 1st because I don't think anybody else is either. But if we have it on January, February, I think we're fine. The tree ordinance has been put off to May. Uh, what I want, same thing there. I don't know your flavor for that. My recommendation is we don't have any trees in town. There are no street trees that are ever really impacted by our development. Most of the things on there are really scrub type bushes or pines. So I want to redraft the ordinance that say in the event you do have to take a tree down that is not in the proposed development footprint of a new house, 
then you have to replace it. And then there, there's also fines associated, not fines, but fees that you can pay for not putting it back in. And I'll same thing, I'll come with a minimum, like a $50 fee, or that would probably be like $100, because that's about how much it would cost to replace a tree. But I will also go through that. The only thing that I don't know who you want to have is we need to have an enforcement person for both of those ordinances. So like the salt pile, I don't know, I mean, not if we keep putting things on the police department, but it's obviously somebody that's around town a lot can see these things and say, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, um, I think, who else can really take somebody? Well, it's really not code even for a, a ticket. I mean, yeah, what do we want to do on code? What's your recommendation? Right? Well, I mean, the fallback on these kind of ordinances is always uh, code enforcement and or police. Yeah. That always seems to be the So we have to kind of figure out there's somebody in code enforcement that would do it. They're, you know, they're out and around for the police. I think code enforcement should go with the trees because there's okay. somebody, or even my office, because we do the inspection and development. We can kind of do that, but we wouldn't be around if somebody decided to take a tree down on their own without building a hole. So you could always give a recommendation to code enforcement. Yeah, code enforcement or slash fire engineer's office, kind of both. Okay. And then maybe for the salt dumps, we just put the police or code enforcement, same kind of thing. Right. Either either person. Okay. All right. So I'll redraft those and bring them back, you know, next month, review them again, and then put them on in January. Great. All right. Thanks. Can I? I was just going to go back to the fire ordinance for a minute. So if you want to. Do you have a question? I, I just thought uh, a couple of people have complained about the neighbor cut down a tree. So I thought if we, uh, whenever we finish this up, we could then send out a little letter, a memo to the public, just alerting people. Because most 99% yes. of people have no idea about right. trees or anything like that. So. Yeah, because we don't have an ordinance like this yet. Right. Yeah, I think we, this should go on the website. And also in a newsletter, any any way yeah, you can inform. Chris, I think next time we do our, we kind of double up and mm -hmm. have a nice little community letter and add like mm -hmm. any of the new ordinances in there. So yeah. FYI. And we could make the building have the building department included in some sort of a planning board in their packet. Yeah, because it's going to affect. Just to slowly get the word out. Yeah, sure. sounds good. Okay. But what I was going to say was on the fire pit ordinance, um, Tom Hagee has the authority to write send out violations as the code enforcement officer. So, instead of the fire department putting yeah, code might, or police, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's <coughs> since he's also the fire marshal. I mean, it yeah. kind of makes sense. Okay, makes sense. So we'll we'll do the updates. I'll work with Tom to do the updates on the ordinance and we'll get it ready for approval. So we'll have it on for Monday night's introduction. Oh, that's right. It's Monday. Yeah. I'll get with Tom. I'll get with Tom today. Okay. Very good. All right, so we're on to the e-bike ordinance. So can I talk to that one then? Sure. So as, as, as a council, we had a discussion about whether or not we wanted to do anything with e-bikes. And we came to the conclusion we did. Um, so a draft ordinance was put together by Jim McHugh. He used adjacent town inputs and stuff like that, like we often do. Um, and we recognize this is a difficult one, but the situation is getting more prolific and we see some driving of e-bikes in town that can represent a threat and danger to people in town. So we decided to go ahead and do it. Jim put it together. Jim provided a draft to Rich. Rich has taken a look at it and has provided comment against it, which is what is contained in the pack that was provided to everybody in advance of this meeting. I do not expect that the council members had the chance to review it at this meeting. Um, really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to protect against two things. Number one, inappropriate use of electric bikes. And number two, clarity around how you handle things like golf carts, right? Because in some towns, golf carts are becoming more prolific where you can drive on non-state roads, but in this town, to get anywhere, you really have to drive on a state road, and that's Route 36. 
So the police department wanted to make sure we effectively addressed that as well. And once again, this is an ordinance that we don't expect prolific enforcement to happen, but we want to put the police department in a position that if it is happening, there's guidance and documentation as to what to do about it. So the number one thing that was important to me is a determination of whether or not anybody on the council objected to such an ordinance. My sense is, based on prior conversation, there was no objection. So what I would like to ask the council members to do is take a look at the ordinance that was contained in the pack and any high-level concerns you have against that, please get them back to me. I will work them with the police department to get them updated, and at a subsequent workshop, we'll have sort of final discussions around this before we prepare to lock it down and develop a final version. And that's it, Mayor. That seems reasonable. All right, so let's path forward. Sound good, guys? Yeah, I just have one question for the Chief. Just in bikes in general, then what a bike owner or user is not required to have any uh, identification with them, right? You no. Know? So if you stop somebody on electric bike, how do you, <coughs> just generally speaking, how do you handle that? Do they don't have their ID that tells who they are? Yeah, I mean... Uh, we have ways to find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That rarely ever happens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We don't okay. ever have a Usually people have some. We can find out who they are pretty quickly. Okay. That's not a problem with us. Okay. And we, on our end, the e-bike ordinance is pretty much ready to go. If anybody has any comments at the last meeting, but we have it wrapped up. I mean, yeah. It's ready to go. They didn't, the, the low speed vehicles, the golf carts, is a big one on there. That's coming to our town. They're coming. Have you gotten any word from the state? Are they considering regulations on e-bikes? Because I see them now. Just the ones that are in the organ, some of the wording that they have. But we'll go through the final draft. If you have any questions, we'll go through it before the next meeting. Now, an e-bike can, up, for instance, they can run on Route 36. There's no restrictions. Correct. Yep. They have to stay on the shoulder. They can't pass people. There's a lot of rules against them. So the, the, the reason for talking about it this morning is if anybody had any major objection to the concept, would want to understand that before we spend more time on it. Right. So I, I don't think that's the case. It doesn't sound like that's the case. I know Heather's not here, but Heather was in favor of this. So please take a look at it, and at the next meeting, final comments, we'll lock it down, and off we'll go. Thank, Thank you. Good. All right, so um, I'm not sure who added the communications calendar to the agenda. Uh, Joe, was that Heather by chance, or did you add that to the agenda, or Chris? I think it was Heather. I think it was Heather. She's working on um, trying to make that available through the system that we have now, right? All right, so I think that, I think that makes three of the upcoming agenda items. I believe that Ocean Ave Planters, the Rec Center Mural, and the Indoor Farmers Market are, are I think, all being championed by Heather. So um, I don't know if we're going to carry this to the next meeting. Obviously, the Indoor Farmers Market, kick, what's the date that it starts? 21st. The 21st? <coughs> goes live, so right here at the old borough hall, which is nice. Does everybody know? Do you guys know about that? Probably not. They're going to have an indoor farmers market at the rec center, okay. which is probably going to leave a mess. <laughs> I add one thing to that. Uh, um, the rec center looks like it's becoming a big success. However, and what if, the, if the farmers market is in there all day. Pickleball starts first thing in the morning. Cleaning it and doing some of those things are going to be extremely difficult. So we, we may have to start in the new year. Part-time help, something to uh, uh, supervise and monitor 
what goes on in there uh, because I don't think the police can do it. And uh, Heather keeps talking about volunteers. That's that's a little tough uh, to rely on volunteers being there. So so that's something to keep in mind. It, 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 our ability to clean it immediately after some of these groups leave for an incoming group is, is difficult. No, good point. I know you and I spoke with that too, Joe, and trying to think how to, how do we remedy that? It's late in the day, and then the next morning we have other activities in there. Yeah, it starts with the bathrooms, the paper towels, things like that. Uh, what the pickleballers have mentioned to me, that if we had one or two of those real wide sweepers, they when they leave, they would run down the court. Not that that's how we should rely on it, but it, you know, we're going to get busier and it does need attention. That's why I wanted to get the dialogue going forward. forward. Okay, sounds good. So we'll, we'll carry this forward. And, and, and John, we're going to have to keep an eye on the, on the uh, farmer's market as it relates to the gym floor. I don't, I don't know what they bring in other than tables and chairs, but I would hate for that new floor to get all... Yeah, technically it up. should be covered, but you know, we've already apparently committed to the farmer's market. No, so. it, it's being advertised, you know, it's out there yeah. that, that they're coming. Don't know what that'll look like, but yes, the floor, actually the floor at some point needs the vendor to come back and take a look at it. And no, no farm animals. So. Yeah, as you say, livestock. Just real quick, um, we're also getting prices on uh, keypads for those doors, because we're getting called there a couple times a day, open the rack, close the rack, open the rack, close the rack. Sometimes, they're going to have to sit outside and wait. They, they have to wait. Sometimes we're on other things where people are there, we can't get there. So we're looking at prices for keypads for those doors. So at least we can have a code that even we can change it once a month to keep. I, I did look at a system that's available online. It's about $450. You can open the door remotely. You could set a time of day. You can do a fob. You could do a fingerprint. It's $450 and it fits our doors. The one question Joe had with me was, those are push exit fire doors, and so there's a special latch for the ones that so you have to are probably going to be more expensive than the ones that we looked at. I'm sure they were. They, they, we looked at ones up to $6,000 before. But th this device will do four doors, which my thought was the front door, the gym door, the door to the, the two rooms that the, the borough uses for records. And then, you know, we can control who goes there by the system. Uh, yeah, I'll get with you. I'll show you what I looked at, and then, you know, it's, it's less than 500 bucks, and it's a bolt-in. The doors are already... We just uh, have to talk to Tom Hagen about it as well. Yeah, Tom Hagen has to weigh in on the exit capability. That's it. This, this may be happening already, and it's not intended to be a criticism, but due to the success of this, it feels like a comprehensive scheduling and coordination strategy is required here. And if it's happening, fantastic. But otherwise, if things become ad hoc, it's going to be really hard to have control of what's happening at this place, both from a police department perspective, a duplication of utilization, and maybe it's happening. And if anybody's on the committee that can comment on that, but it started out slow because it wasn't a lot. But now there's a lot of demand, and I feel it needs a comprehensive way of scheduling and management of that facility. Heather's working on that with our IT people. They're testing 
that with the calendar and everything else to keep track of that? It's uh, we're working through the Edmonds uh, right. system to and, and uh, Trish, Heather, and Don have been trained on it. I believe Chris, uh, I think that they've been training on it. Um, and everyone will have to go through the Edmonds system in order to reserve space. The only I, I don't know how it relates to when we have the open gym for uh, uh, for for the younger adults. Um, you know, pool tables and ping pong and such. Um, I don't know that they have to sign up for it if we just have an open period. But other than that, uh, uh, the Edmonds system seems to be working, at least if it's online to be working. Yeah. So I apologize that it's a success, the program, and we're leaning towards getting it, you know, orchestrated, right? It's, it's a big commitment to have people oversee it, make sure we could get in and out. We don't want to have to have a police officer go whenever I can, I open the door for the seniors and what have you. Um, but the good news is the community's getting some use out of it. So we, we need to finalize this. We got the winter months to make it work. Right now the complication is what will the farmer's market leave behind? And we'll have to watch that. John, John, Sam, I just have one question. In regards to the, the cleanup after we have events there, do we have a cleaning service um, bid out for, um, you know, we need that for the pavilion and, and I guess the rec center, but is there any movement on that? Well, I, uh, Rob reported a, a, a couple of uh, meetings ago, workshops ago, and he's still waiting on some additional pricing, but we, we will have to go out to bid for that, and that'll be a January 1 thing. Um, for all, all of those, and we're hopeful we're going to get bids. Uh, but I think we had a little bidder before, didn't work out, and the second and third bids were a lot higher. But we're very active. I mean, the Beach Pavilion, you need, you need them there you know, almost the whole time uh, that people are in there. So, yes, Sam, to your question. Thank you. Second, what Earl was mentioning, and John, I'm just particularly concerned that we, we don't have children in there without hands-on. So absolutely, because they, they can get into trouble. That's that's oh, not yeah, even I planned get yet. With supervision, so, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's not planned yet, but Heather is working <coughs> with her team to put something together so that it's always you know monitor. You know, someone's got to be there. Yeah. There's no doubt. Open the door be there with them and uh, then close it up and make sure there's no issues when they leave. Because the, the one thing Heather wants is that they have some kind of deposit that when, uh, when they leave, they get the deposit if we check the room and it's all the way it's supposed to be. Do, do Still have, work in progress. Do we have um, uh, individuals using the facility, are they required to sign a waiver? They, they no. There's not a waiver. They right now, if you're from the community and if you're just playing pickleball, it's uh, it's part of our offering. If you wanted to rent the facility, or when the uh, there's been some clinics, mm -hmm. when the Cub Scouts came, they had to do all of that paperwork and they had to have insurance and the whole bit, hold harmless. Mm -hmm. yep. So when it's a, a, a program, yeah, it's different than if it's just a couple people playing pickleball. Well, to Jeff's point, I mean, November 21st, I guess, is the indoor farm's market. And if there's a piece of lettuce left on the floor and 
pickleball comes in and somebody slips, who's responsible? The lettuce. It's our building. We, we know the answer to that. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's not a good position to be in. It's not. It's not. We'll cancel the lettuce. Yeah. All right, so we, uh, let's, let's go back to the Should solid waste ordinance one. That's why she's a little premature. John, did you, uh, were you the one to add to the solid waste ordinance topic? Yeah, so uh, I looked at our what we have posted online and our ordinance. So on solid waste, it says bulk pickup is Thursday. There's no detail of how much you can. And I looked at uh, Brick Township. They specify if you're emptying your apartment, you can put out three pieces, a, a, a dresser or whatever. Um, here we have nothing stated. So I think we should look at that uh, for best practice. And this way, it's not a, you know, if I'm saying, well, you put too much stuff out, but the, the ruling isn't there. What's our enforcement ability? So we just had two incidents downtown and they emptied out apartments. People were moving, they left stuff. Uh, wasn't anything I could use, so it sat there for a while, right? So I, I think, and I sent, uh, I think I forwarded it, Chris. Did I forward a document from Brick? I got it. Was that more of a confusion whether it was commercial or private or residential? Well, nobody attests to whose it was or whatever, but I think if the ordinance stated, you know, what you can do, not just bulk is Thursday, right? Uh, we have an incident down in Tradewinds where paint was out, right? And now we have a painted white line down the middle of the street. Uh, nowhere does it say that you can't put that out, right? Okay. Um, I think we should be a little more precise, and then when we send that communique out, it should list, you know, keep aware that these are the, re the rules. It, uh, other towns require you to get a dumpster if you're emptying out an apartment. Yeah. So well, that's why I think we should look at it carefully, because, I mean, Dave, is that a big issue if somebody moves out and put a bunch of stuff on the curb? Is that a problem? Somebody wants things that they have the right to put anything out there, whether it's furniture, like an unlimited volume. And I said, sure. it's not like that, is it? The truck comes in here as a courtesy to the residents to take one or two things of all. This guy's got um, a whole apartment. Yeah, a ridiculous amount. All right, so you'll give it so to So when the transfer to talk to us, he said, hey, tell the guy to get a dumpster. We're not responsible for all that stuff. And the guy said to me, exactly what John's saying, you've got nothing on your books. He goes, I'll put out there whatever I want. In other words, he'll put out even garbage, as much garbage as he wants, not just the, the bulk stuff, you know? And I thought you guys agreed to, uh, what was it, three toters for the businesses? Right? Wasn't that the agreement? Yep. Okay. Well, apparently it's I not. It's not anymore. It's somebody else. I spoke to him too. Yeah, it was very nasty with me, and I didn't appreciate it. Well, uh, we'll get together and look at what our best practices and improve the communication so people understand, and then we have better ground to stand on. Right now, it just yeah, says bulk Thursday. We want to make sure they can throw stuff out, but we'll still have to get them. He, he wants me to tell this renters that they couldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're managing your business here, but, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, John, John, to Dave's point, we did do something that limited the amount of garbage cans that somebody could put out. Right. But it doesn't say anything about stuff sitting around the garbage cans. And your recommendation is we look at best practice and we say you can put these things out and this amount of them. Yep. And that defines well, it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, this is 
It's uh, pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. O'Brien, as far as I'm concerned, it's commercial because he's collecting money for the apartments, right? Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't right. know. I don't know the answer. Yeah. He's, he's, he's running a business. Yeah, the only problem when he talked to me, he said it wasn't mine. <laughs> so yeah, whether it was or yeah, not, I can't attest to it. Thanks, Steve. Right. Yeah. Hey, just real quick on the same thing. If, 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 there, if there is a violation, see a violation, tell us that day. It's easier for us to write a violation that day than wait a week later, right. whether it's garbage sitting out and it didn't come on Thursday or it's paint on the ground. Maybe we can issue, could issue to someone that day for putting it out than waiting weeks and weeks and weeks. It's easier if you let us know that day. We can send someone right through there right now to take a look. They can put it on the file, issue a summons right there that happened to wait a few days or even a week. So yeah. just get it to us quickly because we can usually find something to write something with. Yeah. That I'm, makes I'm sense. glad well, you let me know that because I did not re think it was a police matter, right? I went to administration, so you, you counseled me on that and that's good. But that won't solve the problem. The fine doesn't solve the problem. We need the people to know you can't put it out. And then it sat there a month. So that's good. Yes, hopefully, hopefully it will solve itself pretty soon because I think all the plans were approved for the eight homes uh, that are, that are yeah, scheduled they, for the they, school lot. Yeah, they won't be back. So the, the, that's where it always is, no matter whose it is, it's on the old school site. Um, that, that will be a, a non-starter uh, non pretty soon, so I don't know where we'll find it. Yeah, but I mean, this all makes a lot of sense. Define in our ordinance what can and can't be done. And once that's defined, when we see it and the police know about it, they get notified and we can do something about it. It's just when people get that ticket in their hand, it's, it's something about that people just hate. It's easier for us, <laughs> you know, it's just it's easier for us to, we, we took care of it. Job is done. Yeah. Yep. All right, thanks guys. Uh, let's see, so I guess there are four upcoming resolutions noted here. Uh, Joe, I don't believe we have an executive session today, is that correct? Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. you bet. <laughs> oh, boy. Surprise. All right. All right, guys, as always, we're not going to take any action after executive session. So this is the end of the public portion, so thanks for coming out today. Whoever is uh, going to be vacating. So with that being said, would anybody make a motion to enter into closed session? So moved. So All right. Council members Beaver. Yes. Booker. Yes. Kalana. Yes. Yes. And Long. Yes. Yes. All right.